In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I give an off-season primer, going over everything from the Rich Paul meeting and what you can take away from it regarding Ben Simmons' future with the team, who, between Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Leibel, and Shake Milton, you would prioritize keeping in a potential trade, what to look out for on whether or not Joel Embiid and the Sixers pursue a Supermax extension, what the feeling of the team is asset and future-wise, and also how to go about Danny Green's free agency. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash SixersBeat where you can get a discount on a yearly subscription. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Uh, we are coming now to you from a week out from the Sixers game seven loss. I checked the box score. They have still lost that game. Hoping it would change. It didn't. How you doing, Rich? Yep. Same score, same series result. And uh, the Atlanta Hawks are, are actually playing in the conference finals, which I, I didn't even expect to see. I know they won the series, but it was still kind of weird to see them playing in Milwaukee in the in the first game. And, and kicking their ass, too. Maybe you know what? Maybe the Bucks were were surprised as well. Maybe they they had the Sixers game plan already because I would say that Mike Budenholzer he he docked that that first game. <laughs> he did, he did. Uh, which is part of the reason why when you you step back and you say, look, Sixers are a very flawed team. They clearly, I mean, like Daryl Morey said in his postseason press conference, if you struggle that much against the Hawks, you probably weren't a legitimate contender. That being said, you looked at the road to the finals and you had Washington and you had Atlanta and you had a Milwaukee team who was shit the bed a couple times in the playoffs. Um, Brooklyn was out because they were all injured. That was the end. I mean, you have a, a Phoenix team probably who, I mean, shit, they look like a juggernaut now, but nobody expected them to be that certainly when the season started, but even when the playoffs started. And this was, look, there's never going to be a road to an NBA championship that is easy but this was certainly set up for you to take advantage of it, and the Sixers did not take advantage of it in any which way. In any which way. I like how Phoenix has turned into a juggernaut just because they have five competent pieces that fit together. And not to say that CP is an absolute legend. Maybe, I mean, probably the best point guard of my lifetime. You know, I, I was at least my basketball watching lifetime, I wasn't old enough to see some of the the great point guards from the 80s, the early 90s, those things. And Devin Booker is great too, but just a team that has good pieces that fit together. And DeAndre Ayton's starting to play really well, and that is, I think, your your title's fa- or, uh, your title favorite right now. So, yeah, like you said, not a... I don't think you have a team that, that is scaring the crap out of anybody in, in the Sixers' way this year, and the, the problem is... That's not guaranteed from year to year. Like Brooklyn could be that team next year sure. where it's just their year for the entire entire run of it. So yeah, it's uh I mean, look, it's still a massive missed opportunity. It's a little little less raw than it was on Sunday night, Monday morning. That was a uh that was a toxic twenty four hours, forty eight hours in uh in Sixers land and look, rightfully so. But <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess uh we don't need to rehash game seven too much because yeah, like you said, it was a toxic time period moving on to, I guess the news of the week uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski. 
uh, that the there have been discussions on the Philadelphia 76 All-Star Ben Simmons' future with the franchise. Started in Chicago during the pre-draft camp. Uh, Simmons' agent and Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul and Sixers management met. Paul met with uh, Daryl Morey and Elton Brand to engage the Sixers on whether it makes sense to work together to find a trade before the start of next season. He does go out to say that no trade request was made and they are expected to continue talking. Um, And also later on in the article, he says that the Sixers are committed to making the Embiid-Simmons pairing work and to improving Ben. Uh, They have a quote in here from Maury. We love what Ben brings. We love what Joel brings. We love what Tobias brings. That was said at the press conference. Why am I reading this? Um, (laughs) We have a very strong group we believe in. So I guess if you just take a step back, and this is just tea leave reading. I'm not adding in any sourced reporting on this. But it seems pretty clear that that leak would come from Rich Paul and his camp. You want that out there to sort of skid the wheels, uh, grease the wheels of a discussions, at least trade discussions. Let the NBA world know that Simmons is open to it. Um, get that talk started. And then if you're Daryl and let's say Woj goes up to Daryl and says, hey, what's your perspective on this? You have to walk it back and say, oh, no, we're really happy with Ben. We want to keep him here because then that gives you a little bit of leverage Look, no trade demands have been met, but I think if you're reading the tea leaves, it certainly feels like there could be a scenario that plays out where that trade discussion could become more forceful, could eventually grow into something. If your goal was for either the Sixers to keep Ben Simmons or to get the most value they could for Ben Simmons, I don't think this is necessarily a positive um, development in that situation. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it's, uh, we just don't know what the market is going I mean, to look like. Look, at the end of the day, they could end up still getting value for him. I'm not saying that. He could end up still staying here. I'm just saying if you just took a look at what happened this week uh, and, and zeroed in and only looked at that, uh, focused on that, it's not a good – it didn't help the cause. Well, I mean, and, and Rich Paul is a very interesting figure in all of this because he is the guy who has demanded star players yes he, he has, a he has single market. no problem doing that for sure for sure he has no problem doing that on the record right which is uh that's just an element of today's nba with him being he's probably the most powerful agent in the nba i haven't really thought about who the who the other top contenders are there there are a few but certainly with his his star level players starting with lebron and, and working down to ad he uh he has certainly exerted some influence over where they ultimately end up I wonder if he realizes that it's a little bit of a different scenario right now where I think first off, he has a favorable market. You know, if, if market is a part of this, like I think Ben Simmons actually likes playing in Philadelphia. I'm sure he has not liked the last week in Philadelphia and, and some of that, but I think overall Ben Simmons and Ben said this on the record after the game, like he, he likes playing here. Um, It's a fairly big market, but, it's also it's also not crazy. They they care about sports, all that stuff. Uh, but Rich Paul also has a player who is not of Anthony Davis's caliber right now. Is the other thing too. He's. I think when you look at what Ben Simmons' trade market is going to be, it's not a deal where the entire league is going to be rushing to the table like we would kill to have this guy right now. It it I think there could be offers out there, and you do you do read from a lot of people that there is probably more of a trade market for Ben Simmons than people initially thought. 
after the playoffs. We'll see if that's true, but but it's certainly not what you know an Anthony Davis sure. or LeBron or somebody yep. would be. Yeah, uh, and and go back to our last podcast. You know, we were talking. There's a finite amount of talent of high end talent in this league. Ben Simmons still brings a lot to the the table on a basketball court. There are a lot of teams, a lot of players, or a lot of coaches, a lot of coaching staffs who will be believe maybe at times a little too much, maybe have overconfidence in their ability to take, get players who take that next step to get through to them from a skill development standpoint, from a, how, how they approach a game, a mentally standpoint, somebody will be like, this is a supremely talented player. I'm confident I can get the most out of him. You get two or three teams bidding against each other, yada, yada, yada. You can definitely still get value. But like you said, it's not going to be as broad as an Anthony Davis trade would be, or at least as an Anthony Davis interest would be, um, you know, with Anthony Davis, that trademark gets limited because you have to send Anthony Davis to a contender or he's not going to be happy. He's at, at that stage of his career. Ben Simmons, you know, who knows whether or not that would be the same demand uh, and that would limit the market. So there's a lot he, going on there. He's also under contract for a lot longer than Anthony is. Davis was. He is. That helps. Um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fascinating. And like I said, I still think there's a world where Daryl Morey doesn't get what he wants or the market isn't ripe for it. You know, I think it's going to be interesting. If you look at it, I think this is the nadir. Like, this is the bottom. I think it's going to slowly creep back up. I think that's fair to say. It, it would be hard to think anything is lower. I think that, that's eventually... That would be that would be ugly if, yeah. if the bottom would well, fall Well, that, that would be yeah. injury. That would, The only thing that could lower it more is injury. Yeah. Knock on wood. That, I think, will creep back up here over the next days and weeks and months as people sort of remind themselves, oh, yeah, he actually does good things on the basketball court. He's not completely defined by the pass. So I think that will you know rebound a little bit, and I think it'll rebound a little bit when he plays again in the regular season. Do but you? I, a little bit. But I think in order to take the next biggest jump, it would have to be succeeding in the playoffs. So I think yes, there will be a rebound here, and you know pretty decent because we're very reactionary, and right now we're reacting to the worst possible scenario. Uh, and then I think it'll it'll stay flat until he has a chance to really prove it in in in, in the playoffs and in, in deep into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's gonna. It, it is going to be. Um, it's it's tough to predict. I truly, I it, it, because Ben Simmons' skill set and how people value it and how people value what he doesn't bring. It's so there's so there's there's extremes even in NBA front offices. It's just hard to predict how many teams will fully buy in and 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 be able to bid against each other and get you what you need. I don't know. I truthfully do not know what to predict on this one. So, so you mentioned that the way that his value would truly rebound is to play in the playoffs. And I agree with that, that to play well and, and show that this was a blip and I am getting better well, at that. show that the first four years were a blip. Fair enough. Yep. A big blip. Uh, uh, the blip blip's probably not the right word for that. I yeah. just don't have the, Blip uh, is by definition not very, right. But I get what you're saying. Yep. An extended blip. We'll put it that way. Um, so I agree with you on that. I, I don't think there's any way for him to, I would say, regain his general standing in the league without showing that, hey, like I can be a useful player in the half court in the playoffs. I could be part of a winning team, and I, I don't have to be taken off the fucking floor in the in the playoffs, which, again, I guess we, we got to spell it out what, what actually was happening. Uh, so so I, here's my question for you. Is there a risk of of bringing him back into the regular season, considering we don't know how much his value would actually rebound? Sure. In said regular season? Sure. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. 
We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited commercial offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager we always think i mean like i said this is probably the bottom and it will be the bottom like i can't imagine anything barring an injury taking it lower than it is now. But if you look at where he was two years ago as a high point and here as a low point, and it will rebound somewhere in the middle, not maybe not the exact middle, but it will go up between um, where it is now and, and where it was two years ago. It could, it could fall back down for sure. For sure. I don't think it's too much of a risk because I just, I, I can't imagine it being much worse than what we just saw. And I think that, uh, you know, while I think we will remember what he can do, like, I think this will stick in the back of the minds of many people. Um, but yeah, there's a risk for sure. For sure. Yeah. I would say the risk is just that he comes back and his free throws are horrible. And roughly, I mean, I mean, frankly, like, I think the, the risk is that he would have a, uh, like a, a stretch of the season that we saw in this past year where he's not attacking the rim starting out of the gates last year where he wasn't attacking the rim. He was averaging like, you know, 12 and eight on 50% shooting, even though he shoots all layups <laughs> for the most part. Uh, yeah. So that would be the worst case scenario. So yeah, I, part of me, not to say that it's impossible. Part of me wonders if you bring him back, I think you have to be prepared to play another playoff series. with him. Yeah. I mean, like to, I said, I don't to think me, To me, the beginning of this season is the line of demarcation where, I, look, maybe he's crazy good at the beginning of next year. I'm not ruling that out completely. Again, I have no idea. I, I've never seen anything like this, so seeing what happens on the bounce back, I don't pretend to know. But I do think, like, if if you don't trade him before the start of the regular season, you you might have to go into another playoffs with him because the, the trade market, and the in-season trade market, unless he's crazy good, might not be that much different. Yeah, and and look, with someone like Ben, the in-season trade market, it's going to have to last a couple of months because you're not really going to get that much trade activity until the trade deadline. So, look, he's been an inconsistent player. all Certainly all this past season, he was very inconsistent. You have to assume that there will be ups and downs throughout that regular season. It, Yeah, uh, look, they're in a tough spot. And really, I, I guess we were sort of going to go to a couple other things before this 
But it's just when you start talking about where this team is positioned, it just there's a general feeling of uneasiness um, because there's just like there's so much uncertainty. You know, you had you for a while you thought you had a second star. Well, now it seems like he's either going to be traded or should be traded or they're going to explore trading him. You thought you had addressed the coaching staff and I mean, they shit the bed this series. You are, you sort of know Tobias Harris isn't good enough to be that top perimeter scorer. Yeah. And you're, you have very little cap flexibility and you don't have any real prime. You have some trade assets in, in young players, but you've got what the 28th pick in the draft or whatever. Couple of young players in Maxi and Thibel who have some value, but they're not like super high trade chips. There is just a general sense of uneasiness and uncertainty. And also, you've got this clock running in your head that, yeah, Joel Embiid's 27. That's in his prime. Like he is in his prime now. You never really know. Like it's not like you're talking about like Kevin Durant when he was with the Thunder. You don't know how long this prime is going to be. That's always sort of in the back of your mind. And also you have the reality of NBA star players and the way that, and, and in the, in the player empowerment era and the way they can control their destiny. And there's just a, a general sense of uneasiness. And look, Daryl Morey, you know, came out and he was like, look, there's 25, 26 teams that would trade spots with us. I agree with him. That's because you have an MVP caliber player. There's just, you would hope to have a lot more certainty, a lot more that you can hang your hat on outside of that. Um, and it is, a little concerning. A little concerning. Well, so for Daryl Morey, by the way, I think you used the term that he's been he's been painted into a corner. He's in he's in a tough spot with his Ben Simmons trade, which I completely agree with. So he's he's had a pretty funny first two off seasons here, where he's been given, I, I would say, heavy lifting in both of those yeah. off seasons. And, and I think if we talked about this team last year. I mean, maybe Daryl Morey would have said this at this time last year because he wouldn't have been as reactionary about the bad Horford season and all that stuff. But, I mean, I think he would have gotten laughed at if people said, or if he would have said publicly, you know, there's 26 teams who would have loved to have trade, uh, trade spots with us. You know, we're, we're, I know we got swept in the first round in the bubble and we were embarrassing the whole year, but hey, you know, we're this great, great team. So, and I think that's what's funny about this Ben Simmons thing, where let, let's just say he's not a completely broken soul next year. I'm not sure we could expect them to be the one seed again, but I would expect them to be a pretty good regular season team if they ran this sure, back. Sure, 100%. Maybe not the one seed. That takes that takes some luck. That takes some, you know, some teams probably getting injured. And you, you just don't know. If they weren't a top three seed next year, it would be a pretty big failure. I, I would be surprised. Yeah. It, it seems like the, and they didn't even get a very good Simmons for the most part this year. Like if Simmons was actually better next year. Okay. Then now we're really talking uh, to be fair. The, the, the key point on this is all right. Embiid comes back and he's, he's kicking ass again, but I, I think at some point it's, it's fair to expect Look, that. When you have Joel Embiid, you should be a top four seed. You should threaten for that one seed. You should threaten for You should be a title contender. And they had the one seed this year. I didn't really feel like they were a title contender. And that frustrates me as a, or it would certainly frustrate me as a fan. It frustrates me, quite frankly, as an analyst who focuses on team building. So when we, uh, and look, I, I know there's some people who think we're a negative podcast. It's because we do look at it like you have Joel Embiid. 
build a fucking title contender. Just build a title contender. Like, it has to happen. It, you can't waste that prime. And that's where a lot of my, I don't want to say negativity, but my my sour outlook, I think, comes from. And th- and that's the, the problem with Ben, is that in the regular season, he helps you win basketball games. 100%. Yeah, he's not, the, he's not the primary driver of wins. That's Embiid, but he's... He's pretty good, and honestly, the way this team is built, which you could say is flawed because they don't have enough ball handlers, they need him pushing the pace and playing defense. And when that that is not in the lineup over the last few years, you can see that they take a pretty big hit. The problem with Ben, though, is that you know we could talk about getting a top three seed. There has never been a player who helps you that much in the regular season who is that disastrous in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's it's a tough consideration, and it's funny like when you see. All of these rumored trades, which I think are, you know, some of them are fair, some of them aren't. But, like, let's just throw, and we're not going to get into the uh, the specific Simmons trades here, but, like, let's just throw one name out as, as an example. Um, C.J. McCollum, they would absolutely be a worse regular season team yep. if they just traded C.J. McCollum and Ben Simmons, but you actually have to guard C.J. McCollum in the playoffs. So where that calculus works out I, I i don't know and by the way like we're looking at potential trade targets and you're like oh cj 23 points a game or whatever he scores like nine three-point attempts like that looks great because it's what we what the team doesn't have when he gets here you will pick apart his defense you will pick <laughs> apart his black hole style of play um that is a flawed player too it's just those are flaws that we're willing to live with because we've been living with others very glaring flaws for a long time you're not going to get a perfect player back for Ben Simmons. And I agree with you. You probably are a worse regular season team. By the way, r- real quick, Portland, you should absolutely do CJ for Ben. Oh, in a heartbeat. Right away. That's you should do that right away. The, the idea that people great are like, fit with Dame. Yeah. he would be unbelievable. Go ahead. Keep going. But look, my point is every, I think if, if Ben gets traded, I don't want to say it's almost like a great trade. Who'd you get? Although for some people, that is certainly how they feel about Ben Simmons. Uh, but I think a lot of it's like, oh my God, those are points which the Sixers, look, they desperately need. But I think a lot of people we're talking about will end up frustrating you when you watch him for half a season. And, and that's the general point I'm trying to get at here, where I think there is rightfully a skepticism of the Sixers moving forward because of all the variables that you're talking about. But that team just was the number one seed, and they had a great yeah. road to, to make the final. So I, it's just... It, Look, we're we're in a very weird spot right now <laughs> with this franchise. I, I I just don't know what to make of the successes they have. I don't know what to make of the failures they have. I, I it's just I don't. know. All right, so let's talk about one aspect of a Simmons trade. And like I said, this isn't going to be a podcast about Simmons. We have plenty of time for that. He's not getting traded tomorrow, so calm space down. Space out the calm content. Down. Yes, um, and also just let it let 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 the anger and the venom fade back a little just Just a little bit but if you were going to trade because i think if you're i think the 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 simmons trade value has probably fallen enough where a lot of the really great trades or or trades for really good players might need more to add to him if you were going to add and we're not gonna get into who you're getting back but if you were going to add one of the Sixers young players and I'm I'm talking I'm not talking about B-ball Paul or Isaiah Joe like they don't have trade value calm down like they have value to fans as cult heroes but not yet trade value across the league. So I'm talking about Maxi Thibel and Shake Milton. If you were going to include one of those three in a trade to get back more to add as a significant filler to get back what you want, 
who are you most likely to be willing to include and who are you least likely to be willing to include? Well, I, I don't think they all would. I, I don't know who, you know, obviously Ben Simmons is the key in one of those trades, right? So yep. I, I don't know if any one of those guys maybe tips the scales. So to me, I think the better question is, which one of those players actually adds the most to a trade? Sure. Right. Um, and I think the answer to that, I would be surprised if it's not Maxi right now, just because he seems like he has the best two way potential long term. Still a kid, still working. Is he already working out in, in the gym? It yep. was like it was like saw him with Chris Johnson, who spent a summer working with Ben and. These, we won't oh, judge these, him for that. We won't judge, just like we didn't judge Drew Hanlon Drew from Hanlon. Markel. Yeah, these these NBA trainers, they got to be careful. They got to stay away that. from Philadelphia point guards. It's just not it's not a good business decision. That's. Uh, I hope that's not viewed as a black mark on uh, Tyrese on, on on his resume. Yeah. No, no, on Chris Johnson's resume. No, no, Tyrese will be fine. But and I'm sure Chris Johnson will be fine. You too, say that like, there is a very real chance Tyrese forgets how to shoot. It's not zero. Well then. Then you might as well trade him for his own good. But I, Just, I do think he. Nope. Maybe that's what maybe that's what Elton Baron was trying to do before. Like if we don't draft any point guards, they can't forget how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's. I think. That's why you went for a big team of six ten guys. That's the that's the that's role the safe meme. That's the meme. Yeah, yep. where the guy's pointing at his head. You can't can't have a player who forgets how to shoot, or uh, you can't have a player who forgets how to shoot if you don't draft players who can dribble yeah. and shoot. But Maxi can dribble and shoot at the moment. Unless, like, hey, look, maybe he forgot over the last week or so, but it looked like he was doing okay. I mean, when you look at, at the Sixers' history, Markel, Ben Simmons, TJ, like, he's lights out. That might as well be Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, come on. T- TJ's lights out, too. TJ's mid- Well, from 15 foot, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's true. Yeah, no, he, he, he might as well be Steph Curry. I, I wouldn't want to include Maxi. I, I, I like, you know, as much as I, I thought the the hype on him contributing this season was a little overboard, I, I like what I've seen from yeah. him. And, you know, it, like, look, the, the big thing for him, as much as we joke about, like, him already being able to dribble and shoot, is him refining that shot to where it's completely money, because then you have a, a different level of player. We might be able to see him unlock a little more of the passing. I thought we saw him pass pretty well earlier in the year. And towards the end, you know, he had he had the basic read. He had the the lob to Dwight when it was there, but but I don't think we saw super advanced passing no. from him yep. for most of the year. No, but I, I don't think that's necessarily necessarily gone from. So he would be the player I would least want to include. So the funny thing though with Matisse is if you trade him for or if you trade Ben. The other team would, almost like they they'd be looking at it too. Like, well, you can't have two non shooters out there. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you're the Sixers, you're like, oh, it'd be cool to have one of these great perimeter defenders, yep. right? Like, I think. And, and if Ben is gone, and you, especially if you get like, you know, a McCollum or like a very good offensive shooting guard type, Matisse might be a good guy to pair with that guy. Like, yeah. you know, if it's an offense first off the dribble player. Okay, Matisse, you, you would rather have a, a well-rounded, versatile, completely versatile player next to him. But if you're matching somebody up with Matisse's already known strengths and weaknesses, that, that sort of fills in the gaps pretty well. So he would be second. I mean, I, I think I'd be willing to... I, I like Shake, but I, if he was the one who would move the needle, he would probably be the one I would put Yeah, in. and I think that is probably all 
fair. Like, I think the one that another team would value the most would be Tyrese. I also think that's probably the one that you would like to keep because of the upside play. I think a team would that acquiring Ben would value Matisse less than the Sixers would. Sixers would value Matisse as Ben Simmons apart. So I don't think it makes a ton of sense for him to be included in that trade. Um, the, uh, you know, sort of compromise there is shaken. Who can play a little bit with Ben Simmons. Still young enough on a good enough contract where he's certainly a positive value in a trade. Absolutely. Uh, probably doesn't move the needle nearly as much as Tyrese would. So it, it depends on what you're getting back. But I, I, I agree with your assessment there. Um, and I, I'm not ready to stop watching Matisse, goddammit. Okay? No, I, I like I like, I like watching, watching him. Yes, yes. And it becomes a lot more palatable when Dwight Howard's off the team and Ben Simmons is traded. Like, it, his limitations is just go, oh, okay, we have one non-shooter. That, God, that would be a, a real boon to the Sixers' spacing. Um, and yeah, you do need somebody like with his skill set. Um, you, you feel a lot more confident going into the series with Matisse Thibel, who now can probably play 30 minutes per night guarding Trey Young than you would if you traded both Simmons and, uh, and Matisse, for sure. For sure. Uh, all right, so let's move on to Embiid's extension here, and then we'll wrap it up. He became Supermax eligible because he made uh, an all-NBA team, so he is Supermax eligible uh, for an extension this summer. That would be a four-year extension on top of the two years that he has left on his deal, which he could get to up to 35% of the salary cap rather than the 30% he would normally be slotted at. Uh, NBA slots based off of uh, years of service in the NBA, which by the way, his first two years where he didn't play do count towards that years of service. Like I said, it would be a two year ex- or a, up to a four year extension at up to 35% of the salary cap. Um, doesn't have to sign it. He could go into the following summer, the summer of 2022, where he could then get a five year extension if he qualifies for that super max, but the super max triggers. So basically what allowed, what would allow Joel Embiid to earn 35% of the cap rather than the typical 30% for a player is making an all NBA team in two of the previous three years or the most recent season. So he's um, got a little bit of risk. Like, you right. Said. So if he doesn't, if he basically, if he comes out and he's injured or he doesn't make an all NBA team, uh, in the 2021, 22 season, he would not be, um, super max eligible. It's not a guarantee. And we saw that because in the previous season, he did not, um, qualify. He did not I make w- that team. By the way, I'm wondering, like, remember those stories about he, he found out that he didn't make the all NBA team when his, his wife was giving birth or as his partner was giving right. birth. I wonder if that went through his mind. Like, ah, oh, damn it, man, I gotta make, gotta make all NBA two years in a row now yeah. to, to get the, the super max. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> so Probably it, not, but then there's it, other, it, it, it did have a real practical consequence. There's other qualifiers, like if you're voted Defense Player of the Year or MVP in any of those three seasons, you automatically qualify. But then again, if Joel Embiid comes out and wins MVP next year, he's probably making an All-NBA team, so you can kind of throw that one out. Uh, but he, but that that's the other thing, too. The injury this year, I mean, would have been set. It would have been, been an made... automatic qualification. Yep, he could, have, he could have waited until next summer with no real risk uh, outside of injury. Because so, the last time we did this, we talked... We were like, well, he's never making MVP. He's not winning Defensive Player of the Year. We can actually say, oh my God, he actually could win these yeah. things. And yep. he, he didn't for games played reasons for the most part. But yeah, so he's he's in a spot where he can lock it in now or uh, or he can roll the dice next year. So yeah, that would take him through his, what, his age 33 season, I believe. Uh, a four-year extent. Wait, six more. Yeah, 33 season. 
If he waits another year, it could take him through the age 34 season. So there is reason he might want to wait uh, to try to get that next summer because it would basically give him another $50 million a year season at the end of his prime when you don't know how long that prime is going to be. Five zero. Yeah, it's a big number. These these supermaxes, the, the they last years scary. on these they can are, get scary. Ooh, boy. Um, but <laughs> there's also, if he believes he can play until he's 33 at a high level, maybe you want to hit free agency a year earlier so you can still be in your prime for that last contract. There's a lot going in play there, but for a guy like Embiid, with his injury history, with his uncertainty, you would assume that, and with just not a guarantee because the way the center position is that he will qualify after next season, you would assume there will be interest in him from locking that in. And look, I know a lot of people look at that and say, injury concerns, aging concerns, $50 million at the year, yada, yada, yada. I'm concerned about that contract. You can't let that guy walk. You just, you can't let that guy walk. It's too hard to get them. It's too hard to develop them. It's It just happens five times in franchise history. Like you can't. Uh, so I think, and Daryl Morey is super focused on on building around a MVP caliber player. Yeah, it will. Uh, it's horrifying, but you you cannot let him. Walk. Yeah, you, you, you just you can't, can't do it. You can't. So, so, so you you put that contract in front of him and say, please sign it, and see what he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like where they stand in that regard. And there haven't really been any reports yet of them negotiating. He did. He is changing his representation, leaving CAA. Uh, I don't think it's been reported yet where he is moving to, but you assume when people change rep and look, there's a lot that goes into that from marketing deals and yada, yada, yada. Part of that might be a negotiation for a new contract too. Um, so we will see whether or not they come to an agreement on that extension. Has he contacted you yet to, to be his, his agent? I have not. No, no. I, if you're wondering, yes, I would, I would quit, uh, being a reporter to get one max contract, a, a client uh, in a second. In a second. What, what if he said, he's like, I read your article on on breaking it down. You seem like you know what it entails. That, that's I mean, all I need. Look, and look, would that be a <laughs> conflict of interest? No, because I would quit writing and never fucking do it again because I could retire. But uh, Sixers beat a one-man show. Yeah, yeah. You'll, 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 you'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the, something to look out for, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I think... Uh, Am I scared that he might not age to be the player he is? Of course, at thirty at thirty, much less thirty three when you're giving him fifty million dollars. Yeah, I mean it's it's super risky. You know what I, the I funny know. thing with Embiid though is like he came into the league with the two navicular bo- or the navicular the navicular bone fracture, and then the second surgery to correct that. And you're like, well, I'm terrified of the catastrophic See, injury. The yeah. he lands and he never plays again. I, I'm not going to say I'm not worried about that because he could still land and never play again. But what you're much more worried about are the accumulation, the wear and tear of this knee injury, that knee injury, this hyperextension, this swelling, this bone bruise, this torn meniscus. This like it seems like it's just a a a string of lower body injuries that you're worried how that's going to respond in later years. Is he going to be constantly sore, constantly swelling, constantly battling a minor nick and bruise? That saps him of his in uh, athleticism, or it's it. That seems like the bigger concern right now. The accumulation of medium-sized injuries. Yeah, not is, insignificant. Yeah. Yep. A lot, lot of knee injuries as well. Yeah, that's back. Look, that that that's scary, but I mean, all for the contract, hope for the best. That's all you can do. Is... You can't. <laughs> 
look, this is your, you work really hard to get a star player like this. And when you luck into one, which it takes some luck to get one, you, uh, and you know, a guy who, who clearly likes to be in Philadelphia to the point where I would be, I would be kind of surprised if he would reassign here, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not reporting anything here, but just, just looking at him and, and judging, like, I don't really think flocking to some other major market is his, uh, he seems a little bit like an East coast Dame Lillard. We're like almost no matter what happens and look, yeah, the Sixers aren't the Blazers yet. They haven't had that long of a run, but you're talking about, you know, what, four years now where they've never gotten out of the second round. They've won three playoff series. And quite frankly, it's not a murderer's row of opponents here. You don't have a whole lot to hang your hat on in terms of postseason. Well, what's their best postseason? It's probably that first year, right? The Miami series. Who headlined that Miami? Like, what are you talking about? Deion Waiters and Goran Dragic? Like, they, they haven't exactly beaten high-level competition here. Uh, uh, who's the best team they beat in the yeah. playoff series? Yeah. Yeah, probably that Miami team who was not good. But he does seem like he is committed. Um, that can always obviously change on a dime. And that's always what you're worried about in the league right now, but he does seem committed. Um, but I guess what I would say is even if he signs an extension, it doesn't mean if his mindset changes, uh, players, yeah. star players can dictate when and where they go. And that's your team always results change. Yep. Right. There's a pressure to build sustainable winners around them. And that pressure will always be there for as long as Joel Embiid is on the team playing at an MVP caliber level, which is probably where a lot of my, um, you know, anxiety and shit comes from. Honestly, him playing at a high level is still the most important thing to the Sixers, because if let's say you sign him to the extension and three years from now, you're just a disaster as an organization, but he's still playing at a really high level. At least then you'd be able to, to trade him and get some picks yeah. back and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, look, that is, I know that a lot of people have made the point recently that it's not just Simmons that is uncertain. You just don't know what you're going to get from Embiid. And to that, I say no shit, but you got to hope for the best because he's that good. All right. So one more topic here so we can wrap up this sort of like, I guess this would be an off season primer type podcast. I think the biggest question mark is, or the biggest question mark in terms of free agents would be Danny Green. A little question mark in terms of bringing back Seth Curry. I think that would mostly be because you're, a, you know, if you get a CJ McCollum type, you don't know how much you can pair them in the same backcourt, or just from the fact that Seth Curry has positive trade value, which you don't have that many players who truly do. So general feel on bringing back those two, and like I said, Seth is under contract, under a very good contract. It would just be, can you pair him with whoever you trade Ben Simmons for? If you do trade Ben Simmons. And also, is his contract something where you need to include it in a trade for a, a positive value? I, I would just hope that if you traded Seth, because, you know, again, we, we just keep bringing up CJ, but just the, the the scoring shooting guard or point guard who is not a very good defensive player, the first thing you, you think of when you, you start to look at your roster is, okay, may, maybe the first thing might be, that's a nice fit with Embiid, blah, blah, blah. The second thing I think of is, man, what do you do with Seth defensive Curry? backcourt. Yep. Yeah, yep. and that's that's tough. So, and, and the problem is that Seth is, first off, he should have positive trade value. That's a very good contract regardless of where he is, but he fits really well with the Sixers group. He, re- he really yep. does, and he really... Honestly, he helps you on a team that has Ben Simmons and the the lack of playmaking, and for you know somebody who can spot up off of Embiid shooting, can run a little two man game with him. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think that's another issue with this Ben Simmons potential trade because I, I personally, even though he got lit up in the playoffs, I would not be looking to trade Seth Curry. I think he's a very good guy. CJ McCollum's getting lit up in the playoffs too. Oh, yeah. Honestly, man, I watch CJ move. He is really slow. Yeah. Too. He's a, some of the injuries have taken a toll for him. Which is which makes kind of his uh his herky jerky mid range game both very impressive to watch, like a guy who is not blessed with crazy athleticism, but also kind of scary moving forward. Like what when is the uh the rug gonna be pulled out yeah. uh, from under his feet here? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's it's a great question. But if you do acquire a, a smaller shooting guard, I think Seth goes from positive contract to let's see if you can maybe move him for either within the Ben trade or to uh, to get another player that probably fits a little bit better. And then when it comes to Danny, I think you should be looking to resign him, one, for trade matching purposes, because it's it's always good to have a medium-sized salary on your books that, that you're able to aggregate in a trade. But two, because I think Danny Green is pretty good. And if you sign him to a reasonable contract, you know, I know, what was he making, like 12 to 13 mil? Over yeah. these last couple of years, I would dock that a little bit. You know, if it's a one-year deal, somewhere around ten million would be fine. If it's multi-year deal, probably hope for a little bit less than that. But if you're if you're able to do that, I think Danny Green would be a great guy to have back. Danny Green just turned thirty-four, uh, like this past week. Quite frankly, like has he lost a step defensively? Yeah, but he still looks like he can add value to a team. Maybe in future years, that will be 20 minutes per game instead of 25, 27. Sure. But I think he can certainly still fill a role. You know, I, there is a little bit of question. I'd have to look a little closer to see how close they are to the apron and, and to that taxpayer mid-level. And maybe you get into conversations of, would you rather have Danny Green on the roster and the taxpayer mid-level or no Danny Green and the full mid-level? You probably still want Danny Green and the, the taxpayer. Probably. Depends. So I certainly think that, yeah, like what you said, um, try to bring him back. Uh, I think Danny would probably want a little bit. He'd probably be open to a little bit of certainty in terms of the team he's playing for. Uh, he's moved around a lot here over the last year. He moved around and won a couple titles, but he still moved around a lot over the last couple of years. Fits in well with the Sixers and their core, or at least by core now we mean Joel Embiid. Um, but yeah, certainly I think Danny Green. Uh, we looked at that when they acquired him. Solid role player on an expiring contract, but I think now you try to bring him back. He was real, and they probably win that series if he doesn't and go back they to our pod. Do. He probably might have undersold his his absence a little bit, yeah. or maybe we we're just overconfident in the rest of the Sixers, uh, misplaced confidence. Uh, but they probably win that series if he is available. Um, he he adds value for sure. I was overconfident in Doc Rivers finding ways to exploit yeah. Trey Young. I hand up on that one, but I think shame on are. you, Doc, as well. Uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely undersold his absence, which goes to show, I mean, if Danny just doesn't get what I think is a, I, I know it, 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 he played a lot of minutes this season, but if that injury doesn't pop up until the next series, as bad as Ben was and as bad as Doc was, yeah, you're right. They probably do still win that series. Plus Danny has a partnership with the local TV station to air his podcast. I don't know if you can get that there in any other market. You know, that's, a, you that's a consideration. <sighs> All right. I think that is probably a good enough place to wrap it up. Uh, we will have plenty of time now. If you want send over, cause now that it's the, the, the season isn't quite as quick changing. 
If you have any mailbag questions, send them over to mailbag at sixersbeat.com. Again, mailbag at sixersbeat.com. We will start reading some on the air because we have uh, some some airtime to kill. Uh, and like I said, things aren't quite as quick moving. The questions you ask, even if we don't get to them in the next podcast, we will keep them stored for future podcasts. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.